Welcome to the Iraq Football Podcast, ladies and gents. We have some good news, we have some bad news. Bad news is that unfortunately Iraq's World Cup qualifier that was supposed to be played in March has now been postponed up until June. But the good news is that we are back for February's edition of the Iraq Football Podcast. I'm your host Hassan N. Bilal and with me my good friend Hassan Osama. Hassan, welcome to the show. Yeah, always great to be back here uh, to discuss uh, everything that's gone on in uh, football and there's quite a bit that's happened. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah always th- a pleasure. There's loads to discuss actually this month. Um, we'll start off, of course, looking back at Iraq winning against Kuwait 2-1. It was some time ago, but um, we never really got to discuss the match. So let's start off there, Hassan. What did you think of Iraq's performance? So, yeah, the first half, uh, pretty much the same as what we had seen, in my opinion, of the, the previous friendlies uh, over the last period. Characterized as well by uh, poor performance from uh, Mohamed uh, Hamid, uh, which is not uh, so surprising nowadays, but uh, really big takeaway for me personally was how much the game changed the introduction of uh, Hamid Qasim. And Mohamed Dawood in the second half, uh, and Mohamed Qasim especially, who really stole the show and uh, clear man of the match. Uh, really, the, the main driving force behind us, you know, winning the game and, and, and with some style in the second half. It was quite. Um... It was an interesting starting lineup. So he started off with Mohamed Hamid in goal. I think Jalal was injured for this match. Um, Ala Mahawi, uh, Ahmed Ibrahim, familiar faces at the back, but uh, Ali Fahir started and Durgham Ismail, given that um, Rabin Sulaqa and uh, Ali Adnan weren't here. Amjad was in the middle and he was joined by Maytham Jabbar and Ibrahim Bayish. And uh, on the left, Hussein Ali and Ayman Hussein up front uh, with Sajjad uh, Jasim to his right. So there were some familiar players there, but it was quite a new team in terms of players that have never really played together and they might not have been able to gel together. So I wasn't surprised when I saw us losing 1-0 at half-time. But I think the way the team came back was really impressive. They showed that they can dig in, they can um, work hard and we really demonstrated that we do have squad depth uh, in terms of... uh, having quite a lot of talented players that we can look to bring on and change the game. We talked about um, Muhammad Qasim, how he came on, but also you can look at Muhammad Dawood and some of the other players that were on the bench. To have players like that that are able to come in and change the game, we've not really had that for a long, long time. Usually we have maybe a good seven or eight players and um, one or two weaknesses in in the starting eleven, but I don't think we've ever gone through a period, at least during the last ten years, where we've had this level of uh, depth in the squad. I think the the system Katanich has set up has played a huge part in allowing us to bring in players and rotating them, and still having a functional squad. I think um, if we look at life for the Iraqi national team prior to Katanich. And, you know, Katanich has his own flaws. I've spoken uh, about things that I don't like that uh, I've seen from him. But, you know, credit where credit is due. He's created a system where we can replace Mimi and bring in uh, Ala Abbas. You could take out Ala Abbas, you could put in Ayman Hussain, you could take out Ayman Hussain, you could bring in Muhammad Dawood. And that that is all part of Katanich's plan where you can bring in players and the team still functions. 
it's been a long time since we've had such a functional uh, functional team. Usually, you have players and they will create through their own um, talents or uh, their abilities, but it's it was it's never really been the the result of a system that functions and operates effectively. So Katanic has done such a good job in terms of uh, creating this team and. Even though we were missing so many key players, none of the expats were there, none of the uh, European-based players were there, we still managed to, to beat Kuwait, who are a team that we've not beaten in a long time. And um, if, if we look at some of the teams we've beat recently, again, the, there are teams that we haven't beaten in years, and now, with our so-called B team, or maybe even C team, we're able to dispatch them. So, the signs are very, very good. But... Now that we're not going to be playing um, against Hong Kong in March, which is a game we were all very, very exciting, uh, excited for, you know, we've been waiting a long time for this group to kind of conclude. We're top of the group, but this match yet again delayed. It now means we're going to be playing uh, Hong Kong, we're going to be playing Cambodia and Iran all in the space of a couple of weeks, I think, in June. And um, hopefully that goes to plan. What are your thoughts on this, Hassan? Do you think we're going to be able to top the group now that we're playing uh, in three games in such a short span of time? Or do you think we have the resources that we can actually um, we can beat anybody? So, coming back to the previous games in the, in this group, you know, it's, it's the same structure as, uh, as always uh, and uh, that we've seen with Katanech and it's been giving us uh, some solid results and you know we're seeing that again with the same friendlies that, that we've been playing recently so I'm not worried too much of, of, of playing the you know the games all in quick succession I think we should be able to to handle them and let's be honest we're playing against Cambodia we're playing against Hong Kong uh, in, uh, in a couple of games and if we do our job in those games we should be solid enough to to make it through it shouldn't be too much too much of a problem my main concern is now that uh, the pressure increases. That's that's the biggest thing. Is that uh, since we're not going to be playing in March, and uh, if we're going to look at it this way, Bahrain and Iran are both going to play a couple of games in March. They're going to be playing ahead of us. They're going to accumulate some points. They might be, you know, we're only a few points ahead of Bahrain, and Iran is not too far away. Let's be honest. So it could easily be that uh, you know we're playing in June and we're chasing. You know, one of the top two spots once all over again because we'll, you know, we'll be we'll have uh, played two games fewer. So uh, in, in that case, uh, it may be an issue, a situation where we are beating our own our, ourselves. Like if our players are not, uh, you know, up to the to the to the challenge of like dealing with this pressure, then it can it can be an issue. But to, you know, really. In a vacuum, if we're going to look at it that way, I think we should be able to beat all of these teams. We should make it through. But uh, uh, that's that's the, the main issue is having the delayed game. We talked a little bit about expats. Let's go back and discuss this. There was um, leaks talking about um, a sudden change of heart from Katanich. What inspired this? Where this came from? We've not really heard much. But apparently... The expat players, about eight of them, if I'm not mistaken, all received invitations to the preliminary squad for the upcoming World Cup qualifiers. This included the likes of Justin Moran, 
uh, Ahmed Yassin once again, two players that have been uh, sidelined for some time now. There's been a lot of discussion about them as well. Uh, people talking about um, they've been barred from the national team, etc. Jilwan, Rawan Amin as well was an interesting uh, name that featured, especially given that he's only just started walking again. So for him to feature in the March game, it was practically impossible. But now that the games have moved to um, to June, it is very possible that we might see Rawan Amin make his debut for the Iraq national team. I know he's a player that Iraqi fans are very, very excited to see. Um, he's a player that's a holding midfielder. He, he's a destroyer, reads the game very well and um, does the basics very, very well. Hassan, out of those players, who would you say are the ones you're most excited to see uh, added to the squad? Yeah, of course, uh, you know, excited to see each one of these players but uh, you know I'm I'm really hoping that we can see a, a good opportunity provided to you know the likes of Osama Rashid uh, Jinoan especially those two guys uh, you know they haven't really had any real chances like any, Osama Rashid has been with the national team has had call-ups with the national team going back many years with no real you know fair chance honestly uh, so I'm really hoping that we can see uh see them have a fair opportunity to play and you know show their quality because they do have quality and they're they would probably be one of the best players on the team so i'm really hoping that we can give them that chance uh really excited as well see uh, justin and uh, ahmed yasin as well you know we know their quality we know what they can provide and i think that they would be a strong boost for us like, especially in these coming games uh they've got the experience and they've got some uh, they've got the skill to to really uh, give us an extra edge. So, uh, you know, each of those, but especially, you know, Osama, Jinoan, and, and and as well, uh, if, uh, if Rowan uh, can come in, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, people can be patient with him as well. Because, you know, uh, especially for a midfielder to come into a brand new environment, a brand new team coming off of an injury, uh, I hope people can manage their expectations and give him time because, you know, players need that, uh, need an ability, uh, a chance to, you know, to start off and can really feel have a, a run of games to feel comfortable with the team. It's not going to be you know, sudden, you know, uh, a sudden explosion. Now suddenly we have like you know, Chavi or you know any the reborn uh, reincarnation of uh, Iniesta. It's not going to be like that. So uh, I'm hoping though, but by the time we actually reach June, he would have had some game time with the uh, Ostersons. He he's been out for some time. It was a ruptured ACL that happened a couple of months ago. I know he's returned to training only last week. I speak to Rawan quite frequently, actually. And um, he's, he's excited. He's, he's really desperate to play for Iraq. You know, some of the expats get accused of not wanting to play for Iraq and they're only doing it because it's a side option. Rawan is dying to represent Iraq. There's no talk of any other country solely focused on playing for Iraq. And um, I think he's going to be such a valuable asset to the national team. For me, though, I mean, Rowan aside, I would love to see Jilwan given a proper opportunity. I think Osama Rashid has plenty to offer. I still think uh, Justin can can offer a lot down the wing. I'm a big fan of Bayish, but they're, they're completely different players. You know, I was watching a video earlier, um, some analysis, and it really highlighted the um, the difference between Justin and Bayish. 
and not so much talking about Baish being a bad player, but they, they're both very different in terms of their skill sets. You have Baish, who as a, as a winger, he's quite orthodox. He hogs the touchline, he's fast, he knows how to beat a man, uh, puts in a decent cross here and there. But Justin, for me, is more of what I want Iraq to be in an attacking fashion. He's a player that cuts in on his, uh, on his uh, stronger foot on the right, he creates space for players like Ali Adnan or Dorgham down the wing by dragging defenders across, opening up space. And I think that's something we've really lacked. You know, Ali Adnan, it might be age catching up with him, it might be just bad form, but we haven't seen Ali Adnan really being an attacking outlet for Iraq for some time. And I think part of that is Justin not being in the national team. Justin being there, he cuts in, he's very skillful, he's got a very good uh, creative passing him so he can find Ali Adnan once Ali makes those runs he can bring others into the game and I think that's something we were desperately missing so these expats definitely have a place in the national team and one thing I'm hoping would happen is that given our uh, squad will have to play three games maybe maybe FIFA will allow us to take a, a larger uh, number of players I'm not exactly sure these circumstances are very odd. I imagine there will be some degree of leeway. If, for example, Iraq are able to take, let's say, 30 players rather than the 23, you'd hope to see even more uh, expats involved uh, in, in the squad. Amir Al-Amari has also uh, been invited to the Iraqi national team. He's just today signed for, uh, I think it's pronounced Halmstads. They've just been promoted to the first division in Sweden. They won the second division uh, last year. So clearly he's, he's making progress in his, uh, in his club career. Hopefully that his season goes really well and we'll see him with the national team sometime soon. He looked really good when we saw him for uh, the Araka youth team. He, uh, he didn't get that many uh, minutes, but what, what we saw, at least I was very impressed with him. Another young Araki from Sweden... Mohenad Jihaz was also invited, but there was so much controversy surrounding this. It's been an interesting case uh, with Mohenad Jihaz uh, ever since you know he was not able to join one of the more recent uh, squads with the national team, and it's culminated into this, uh, where he's got uh, similar issues as what Osama Rashid had uh, way back uh, years ago when Osama Rashid was breaking into the national team which is administrative problems, uh, transferring his documents from Sweden uh, to uh, the Iraqi FA. So it's really complicated things. And, uh, you know, it's it's pretty frustrating because I think yeah, he could be a, a good player for us. Uh, but, you know, these administrative problems, uh, they, they've been an issue for a number of our, our players, which is uh, frustrating why the, the, the Iraqi FA isn't doing more to, to help uh, our players. Uh, Make this make the transition because we know that he wants to play for Adam. So it's uh, it's pretty different. Uh, it's it's a frustrating thing. I mean, there are people talking about him not wanting to play for Iraq. There's talks about him um, being reluctant to play for Iraq because he's adamant he's going to get called up for the Sweden team and that this is all just a ploy to delay playing for Iraq. Um, but I guess for me, really, is that we don't actually know the truth. And that's why I've been reluctant to comment uh, too much on it. I know he's been um, breaking into the first team for his club. And um, 
at one point he was reluctant to play for Iraq because he was tr still trying to make a name for himself, trying to secure his position in the first team. And that much I can understand and I could sympathise with him. But I think we're coming to the point where people are starting to ask questions and nobody really knows the truth. So we need to just sit and wait. But you mentioned something that I think is very important. The Iraq FA is aware of all these talents playing in Sweden. You have, for example, Hassan Ali at Oribro. You have Amar Shar. You have Amir Al-Amari we discussed earlier. All these players are playing in Sweden. And none of them are actually playing for the, for the national team. Granted, they are young players. They've still got a lot to do in order to, to get their chance to play for the national team. But the Iraqi FA should be working on their paperwork. They should be putting the wheels in motions that should these players be good enough they should already be eligible and ready to represent the national team. And I think what we have right now is the complete opposite. We have these players playing, being only really eligible for Sweden, being likely to play for Sweden because they've grown up there, they think it's a better national team, they want to play with a better team, playing against the, the best teams in Europe. Um, maybe they see it as an opportunity to play for... Uh, a team in the World Cup and they might not see Iraq as being a team likely to to make that but on the other hand it's very likely some of these players have heard about the experiences of expat players in uh, in the Iraq national team from Sweden the truth is none of us actually know the truth you know there was talk earlier about Mohamed wanting to secure his team in the in his club's first starting 11 and he's only really had his breakthrough season recently and for that, I could understand him not wanting to uh, earn the call-up for playing for Iraq uh, recently, which he turned down. This time, it's a bit different, you know. Um, we've seen administrative problems previously with Iraq. You mentioned Osama Rashid, and that took nearly a year to resolve. I wouldn't be surprised to see something similar here. But at the same time, let's say Mohamed doesn't want to play for Iraq right now. Let's say he does have an option to play for Sweden and he's trying to explore that. I find it very hard to kind of criticize him for that. He may have heard things about playing for Iraq that he, he was a bit worried about or maybe he thinks that he has a better chance of making a successful career if he plays for Sweden, they qualify for the World Cup, he plays against the biggest uh, teams at the biggest stage. We don't know. Can you really criticize a player for having those aspirations? I mean, I'm in two minds. Obviously, as an Iraqi fan, I, I want to see uh, Iraq being the, the team that takes all the players. But knowing players, that you know, they are humans after all. They want to secure their financial future. They love the game and they do what they think is best for their career. If, for example, Mohamed decides that right now I don't want to play for Iraq. He waits for a call up from Sweden. It doesn't come. In a year or two, he decides, you know what, let me play for Iraq. Should we say no to him on that basis? I don't think so. I think if a player comes in and performs and he's a good player, it doesn't matter for me whether this player wanted to play for Sweden at one point. We, as, I think as Iraqis, we make a real big deal of this whole Ghira and Ibn al-Balad and you have to play for us, but... For me, no, you know, football, at the end of the day, you put your best team out. And if, for example, Mohamed happens to be a better fullback than some of the players we have, I'm sure their national team will be a lot better overall.
What do you think, Hassan? Do you agree with me? Am I wrong in this? This is something that's been bugging me for a long time. Yeah, so, uh, you know, personally, my thoughts, like on, on national, international football, uh, you know, I always, I like to see, you know, players representing the national teams that they uh, associate themselves most with. So, you know, the idea of, you know, a player choosing one national team over another just purely based on how he how much he can win. I'm not a big fan of that personally. I'm going to say that all right. But, uh, you know, at the same time, you know, when, I, when we're talking about these expat players, yeah, if they're not, they're, a, lot, a number of them, they do have, you know, legitimate chances to, to play for, you know, European uh, national teams. Also, Justin Miram, before he came to play for Iraq, uh, he would have been called up for the U.S. national team uh, way back then. So these players are rejecting an opportunity to play with, these other national teams and anybody who cho- who is willing to deal with all of the baggage that comes with playing with uh, the Iraq national team, you know, I don't, I'm not going to criticize them. You know, I'm not going to say you, you can't say that they, you know, are doing it just purely, uh, you know, uh, you know, for, for specific advantages because there's very few advantages of playing for Iraq when you have the opportunity to play for a European national team. So, this is a. This is also, you know, a, a thing that, uh, you know, a lot of our expats, they get unfairly criticized, in my opinion, because you know all the Arab League players, they don't have that opportunity to play for Europe, so there's never gonna be, uh, you know, uh, a question of their loyalty or to the national team or anything like that, because there there is no other uh, other choice for them. But with the with the expat players, the, you know, there is always that all, all, uh, opportunity. So anytime that they they cannot play for, you know, join a, a national team camp, then suddenly their loyalties are, are questioned, which is uh, unfair, uh, in my opinion. I, so I think, Hassan, you touched on a very important point here. There, there's a lot of things that happen uh, in terms of me talking to players that I don't really publish online, mostly because it's just me interacting with players as friends, really, rather than as a kind of a, a journalist, per se. I promise you, and people listening might doubt this, but I promise you, there's not a single player, especially experts, that I've spoken to and they've told me, I only play for Iraq because I get media coverage. I only play for Iraq because I make a bit of money from it. They don't, by the way. I swear to God, every single expat player, whether it's been Justin, whether it's been Rebin, whether it's been Jilwan, Osama, or Rawan, Every single one of them literally only wants to play for Iraq because they see themselves as a member of that country. They love the fans. They want to repay the fans. They want to bring happiness to, unfortunately, a country that's seen a lot of doom and gloom. But some fans, it's a shame they still doubt this. Um, I'm not here to promote them. I'm telling you genuinely, these are my interactions with these players every single day. Maybe... Maybe, and I'm not saying this is fact, but let's say Mohammed doesn't want to play for Iraq right now. That shouldn't be the end of his uh, opportunities to play for Iraq. Because players change, their opinions change, their opportunities change. And I think we need to be a lot more lenient when it comes to players that are playing outside of Iraq. We, we need to give them a lot more leeway, the same way uh, players that play for the Iraq national team, they're given a lot more opportunities uh, as well. Totally agree with this, because... You know, it's something that, you know, the players, they're always getting questioned about their, like, you know, their loyalties and all of this. So it's, you know, quite unfair. And, uh, you know, 
I, I mentioned this already is that you know if somebody who's playing willing to deal with the baggage of playing without uh, that's you know you can't question his loyalties at that point they're they're coming in and you know a lot of the time they're flying in from halfway around the world and you know business class and you know, business economy class you know here to, to play you know 45 minutes in the middle of nowhere you know halfway around the world and then they'll fly back you know it's it's you, you, in my as, as far as I'm concerned uh, that takes loyalty to the country to 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 deal with all of this and, and and come in and play and they're not getting you know we mentioned this so there's there's no huge benefits you know uh, to doing this John he, he I remember at the last for out of the last World Cup he was you know one step away from being representing uh, Sweden at the World Cup but uh, you know right now we're seeing him uh, you know ready to play for Iraq and completely willing and you know he wants to play for Iraq but he's, the, the opportunity isn't really coming these players, they do care about the country, and this is not, you know, it's a big discussion that, uh, you know, a lot of our players are getting unfairly criticized for it, uh, uh, as far, in my opinion. And I, I think we need to be able to put all of this aside and just judge the player based on his ability and, uh, you know, how much can he offer to the national team. Because, you know, questioning loyalties, that's just going to add more division within the national team that we just don't need. Absolutely. The, uh, I think that you mentioned the key there. The key thing is what does the player offer the national team? If a player like Mohamed comes in, maybe he changed his mind. He, he saw he's not going to get an opportunity with Sweden. Now he wants to play for Iraq a couple of years on the line. If he's going to make Iraq better, he's going to get us an Asian Cup victory. He's going to qualify us for the World Cup. What does it matter? I'd rather have a player like that than a player from, let's say, the Iraqi league who absolutely committed all he's ever cared about is playing for Iraq but he's not actually good at playing football for me it's a no-brainer but some people unfortunately uh, the moment there's any doubt cast on on a player that's it that player should be blacklisted he, he doesn't want to play for Iraq etc but uh, it's a shame and I think ho uh, hopefully um, these players do end up playing for Iraq and get an opportunity to really show their talents and make the fans happy because I promise you that's all these players really care about. Let's move on a little bit. We've talked about Sweden. Now there's another player who used to play in Sweden. Now he's signed with um, Zaho. Brawa Nuri makes the move from Indonesia. Three-month loan uh, in the Iraqi Premier League. He was a quality player when we saw him for the national team. He's a player that I'm really gutted that we've not seen more of. I think he only played like 11 games or something. But... He's, he's now playing in the Araki Premier League. I'm hoping, and I would love this to happen, although I very much doubt it, if he comes in, really sets the, the league alight, maybe it gives Katanit something to think about. What, what do you think of this move? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting move. Uh, the Indonesian League, uh, I think that's where he was playing. It's not a league that, you know, would have gotten him much attention. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure he was enjoying his time there, uh, following him from social media but uh, you know from uh, just purely footballing perspective it's not going to get him too much attention if international football is the the goal so uh joining the Iraqi league uh, it's going to be much easier for you know Katanich to to see how he's doing i would like to see him back you know he didn't really get a fair chance which is the trend with a lot of these players uh, who are coming in from outside and I'm not sure what it is. Uh, it could be, you know, a culture clash within the national team with the coaches or something like that. Who knows? But, uh, you know, uh, I would like to see him 
come back because I do remember like he he was a quality player, you know, uh, several years ago, and then as well, you know, with Ostersund's uh, Europa League, phenomenal. So you know, uh, good players are always welcome with the national team, as far as I'm concerned. So uh, let's see how he does, and I really hope uh, uh, it's a, it's a chance for him to you know uh, show his quality once more. Well, there's a lot going on in the Iraqi League. Um, just right now, Jawi are leading with six points. And um, Shurta are third. They've recently been involved in two transfer fiascos. Number one, Saad Nadaq. Very, very close to a move uh, to Al Ahli in Saudi Arabia. That move was blocked. Uh, Shurta refusing to even acknowledge and reply to the offer made by the Saudi club. Saad desperate to make the move. Uh, there was leaks of his voice note that he sent to the the uh, Saudi side, basically telling them that he's, he's heartbroken. He he was very keen to play for um, El Ahli. Do you think Shurta should have made uh, the transfer possible for the player? It's clear that he wants to make that move. Um, Saudi league is a very very competitive league, one of the best in Asia. Do you think? He, they should have let him go because it's in the best interest of Iraqi football or do you think as a club they have every right to turn this offer down and keep one of their best players? Uh, I see a number of different perspectives here because, you know, on one hand, you know, the player, of course, he's looking for his career. He's looking for, you know, to play in stronger leagues and better teams and, you know, the biggest competitions, better contracts. All of this, all of these things. So, of course, uh, you know, there's this aspect. And then on, on, at the same time, you know, uh, we would like it for our uh, clubs to enable players to make that step up uh, whenever possible. But at the same time, you know, I'm, you know I, I do see uh, the perspective that, you know, the clubs are not, uh, they don't, they should, the, the, the player is not entitled to a given move. So if there's, you know, uh, uh, a diff- like you know, the the offer coming in is not you know sufficient or something like that. And, and of course, they're not entitled to the move because he does have a contract. So that, at the end of the day, there there is a contract there with his his club. But uh, it is one thing that is quite troubling is the way that uh, Shota have gone about these things, and this has been a trend uh, over the years. Uh, I remember all the way back to Dorham uh, uh, when he first made his move uh, to uh, Turkish league. You know where he, they, it's difficult for players to make that move from uh, Shorta to other leagues and other teams. You know, uh, again, uh, there was Lorham, there was Mohamed uh, uh, Ali as well when he wanted when he wanted to move away, and then countless offers from Europe were not even responded to. Uh, a lot of them were just uh, Shorta; they just uh, let the offers expire, and uh, and that was that. They didn't really respond. So, and then you also have uh, with. Uh, now uh, sad not so you know it's a trend with this club uh, uh, kind of unfortunate because it does feel like the, it is holding back uh, a lot of our players because these are not offers that come all the time and, I mean uh, you've you know, mentioned players... you've mentioned some deals others that spring to mind was um, Safat Hadi's move to Russia needed breaking uh, through midway uh, before they actually finally agreed terms Ali Adnan, I remember, uh, used to, had some issues. There were offers from Fenerbahce and a few other teams that they couldn't um, agree a deal with uh, Shurta. So, whilst Shurta as a club obviously have their own interests, I also think 
they they should be using this platform to send their players across the world, sh showcasing their talents, and then using that as a springboard to to bring even more talents through and continuing to to export their their players across the world. But they they seem very reluctant to actually make these deals happen. So it is strange and it is disappointing to see a talented player like Saad uh, Nataq who he's improved so much over the last couple of years and we talked about Ahmed Ibrahim reaching 100 caps he's a player that was playing in Saudi Arabia he really developed during his time there and he, once he retires you're going to need players like Saad to use their experience to use their their presence and help the national team fill the void uh, that was uh, that will be left by uh, Ahmed Ibrahim so to see this move blocked for me it was very very um, frustrating at least. The same thing I'd say as well. Um, the way they Shorta make the the moves for their players very very difficult. The irony wasn't lost on me. They they at the same time whilst blocking Saad Nadak's move, you have uh, Muhammad Dawood announcing his retirement. Why? Because he wants to play for Shorta and his club are not letting him go. I found that very, very frustrating to see. I found it comical and, quite frankly, embarrassing. Am I being harsh there, or do you agree with me? No, I totally agree. Uh, you, you touched on that uh, earlier, but Shota, like when you have players like this that are getting attention from other leagues, you know, it's it's not a bad idea to to promote your your club as a doorway to to Europe and and better leagues in general. So you know. Uh, you know, bringing in these players, I really think that this is kind of uh, highlighting a, a kind of a lack of professionalism, professionalism within the Iraqi league, where you have like these players who, you know, on one hand, yeah, the player he wants to move, but then as well, there's a certain way there should be a way to do it, to way a way to go about things, and uh, the way Mohammed Dawood went about it is, is not the is not the way to do it, you know. Uh, but at the same time, it's also the, uh, an issue with the clubs where, you know, they, they're they not negotiating, they're not looking at offers, they're not, you know, it's a, it's a two-way uh, issue, uh, which I, I think, you know, we need a little bit more of that professionalism uh, and, and, you know, for clubs to be more open to negotiating among themselves and with, you know, other, uh, other clubs. I think it's indicative of an overall bigger problem, which is this lack of professionalism this lack of framework across Iraqi teams and it, there needs to be a systematic change where uh, the FA put in regulations put in a, a framework to help clubs sell their players to give players rights when it comes to these moves etc I think right now mm -hmm. there, there's a, there's a huge lack of l legal boundaries that stops players like Mohammed Daoud going to the media and uh, forcing his club to sell him because he wants to retire, for example. Um, I think in another country, if a player tried to do that, the player would be forced to, for example, pay out his contract. Would Mohamed Dawood do that? I don't know. Saad Nadak offered to do that for his contract with the Shurta. Even that didn't go through. But that, that again, goes to my point about having a proper framework in place to support the club, support the players... Uh, during uh, the transfer windows in, in the Iraqi Premier League. Now, sticking with transfers in the Iraqi First Division, Dewania signing Pato. Was that ever likely to happen, Hassan? As far as I know, I don't think that there was any 
realistic chance of that happening. Uh, and uh, it seems to be that, uh, you know, judging from uh, the, the the way that uh, Senator Ankushi, the president of the club, uh, has been uh, speaking on social media as well, is that uh, it looks like it was just one big marketing move as far as I can see, uh, where he's promoting his own club. Because... Uh, you know, uh, all in the, all in the indications, uh, you know, were it, it made no sense for for this move to happen. You know, Diwania sitting mid table in that Alpha League, Pato, uh, you know, a guy who could easily join any of the the Gulf leagues or anywhere else in the world, pretty much. Uh, there's, a, there's he could always find a place uh, better than uh, a mid table club in that Alpha League. So, and even from the financial aspect, this guy is a player who spent a number of years playing in China, earning huge wages. Uh, actually, he's married to the daughter of one of the richest men in Brazil. So that's another thing. So he's not hurting for money. So I don't think that there was any realistic way to, to bring him to Iraq unless there was some side of him that's just curious of living in Iraq, which is kind of... Uh, I, I don't. I'm not sure about that, but yeah. And uh, so now we've seen him uh, making that move uh, to uh, the MLS in uh, in the United States uh, with Orlando uh, City FC. So yeah, and uh, I think Diwania have settled for uh, another Brazilian player. I think Diwania is an interesting project. On one hand, I really want them to succeed because it shows that. Private ownership can succeed in Iraqi football. It's it's going to set a standard for the rest of the clubs in order to start operating under private ownership. I think a lot of clubs in Iraq right now are relying or over-relying on government handouts, etc. So I want somebody to come in and change that entire uh, framework. But I find him so hard to like, um, Ankushi. Just... Th- it seems that everything he does is just a marketing tool. He doesn't seem to actually care at all about Dewania. Uh, he, he, talking of retirement, he, he was another person that tried to retire and step down from owning Dewania unless the fans came and apologised. And I can't believe it, but the Dewania fans actually ended up doing that. They came and they apologised because there was some talk in the media about people being unhappy with him uh, running the club. If he was actually interested in helping the club, he wouldn't be constantly in the media. He wouldn't be constantly uh, tweeting and posting his own pictures, etc. And for me, this Pato move, I would have loved to have seen it. Think about all the publicity that this would have done for the Iraqi League. Hopefully positive publicity, but it fell through. Uh, They've got quite a few uh, new players, yet they're, they're struggling. And I think that also indicates that Ankushi doesn't have any real idea of how to run a football club. You can't buy a club and just spend money bringing in expat footballers, hoping they're going to win you the league. There's no structure in place in terms of developing the team. There's no real uh, system in place from a tactical perspective. You know, we talked about how important tactics are for Iraq under Katanich, where any player can come in and, uh, and use the same system and play the same football that Iraq have been playing recently. Dewania, they haven't really got that. They haven't got that ID. In, instead, there's been numerous players released from their contracts recently. Uh, and for me, that indicates that Ankushi doesn't actually know what he's doing. 
he's just bringing in any real expat that he can convince to come to Iraq and um, hoping that it's going to work out for the best. That's, that's not how football works out. But, again, I do want Dewanir to succeed. I, I think it would be good for Iraqi football, but at the same time, he, he is very frustrating uh, as an as a owner of a club. Um, do, do you think that they will go anywhere under him? Or do you think this is just like something that will last one season or two before he gets bored? As far as I can see, uh, you know, it, it doesn't look good for a long-term project because I don't see there is a project at all. I'm going to say this all right. It's that, you know, he's signing players. Uh, he signed a number of players. A number of players have left as well. Uh, he's gone through a number of coaches and they're sitting mid-table. Uh, you know, and that, that, that the, the league position in and of itself isn't an issue because, you know, if you're world-building a project and you're not, you're looking long-term rather than, you know, uh, just this one season. But, uh, you know, if you're looking for a project, you're not going through so many coaches. You're not going through so many players. So I don't see it as, you know, a real project. Honestly, the, like right away from the very first uh, summer transfer window, I was very hopeful, but it did give me a lot of memories. Uh, you know, I'm an AC Milan fan. I remember uh, years ago, uh, Chinese owners, they took over the club at uh, AC Milan. They signed a whole new team, and I think the, the team finished like 7th, 8th, and they, they ended up, the, the, the owners were not actually as rich as they claimed to be, and, you know, uh, it was a mess. So I'm really... I see a lot of uh, a lot of similarities between these two situations, and I'm hoping that you know my my instincts aren't uh, correct, and that he he does have you know uh, some kind of a long term vision. But it's becoming very very difficult to really see that happen. And I really think I um, think more and more uh, I, I believe that this is just uh, you know uh, an opportunity for him to really make a name for himself, get himself out there in the media, and then he'll get bored eventually and and move on. Uh, I would really like to, as you mentioned, you know, uh, for that Alpha League to really develop and move past uh, having clubs being so dependent on, on government money. Uh, I'd really like to see uh, proper private ownership uh, of that Alpha League where clubs can actually earn money out of transfers, earn money through, you know, all kinds of different ways and, you know, develop themselves further that way. I don't think that that's something that can be achieved just off of one owner. I think this is something that is a systematic systemic problem that you know that uh, that's going to have to be solved with by the FA and by the government and you know people who are responsible for that Alpha League. Uh, I think this is a big issue that needs to be solved moving forward. But uh, I'm not really confident that uh, uh, Diwania is going to be the springboard for changes like this. This month, we've spent a lot of time talking about talented youngsters. We focused a lot on Sweden, but. Today we're going to be interviewing Ali El Moussaoui, very talented uh, attacking player playing in uh, Copenhagen in Denmark. He's a player that has been called up for the uh, Araqi under 19 and is somebody that we're going to keep a close eye on. Hi Ali, thank you so much for joining us man. You're one of the players that we've been tracking for a long, long time and uh, we're very excited to have you on the podcast. Assalamu alaikum brother, thank you for having me, it's a pleasure. Wa alaikum assalam, our pleasure is all ours man. Um, so tell us, how are you finding? Um, how are you finding everything right now in terms of football and uh, managing it with COVID? I mean, it's right now. It's really difficult, uh, uh, especially in terms of the, the the limits that 
like um, how do you say the restrictions and how many people that you can be in the same place and stuff like that. So it's it's tough um, for everybody. I think I I know that some places are worse than than others, but uh, like here in Denmark, it's a bit tough to be honest. It's not so easy. Um. Yeah. So. Again, like I said, I've been I've been following you for a long time, but you're still a young player and you've still got your whole career yeah. ahead of you. Some fans might not know too much about you, but I'm sure they're going to be excited once they find out a little bit. Um, can you talk us through what what you're currently doing in like in football? Where which club you're at? Um, how many games you've played this season, etc. No, for sure. Uh, I played FC Copenhagen. Uh, I've been doing so for like two years. Uh, and yeah, I arrived uh, January 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and yeah, we've been playing since uh, since uh, our league started in August, and uh, we should have been starting the league uh, by now if it wasn't for the for the COVID-19. But uh, we are we are one of the the few lucky clubs that uh, have now began to to train. Um, like uh, with no, with no, what do you say? With no restrictions in terms of how many players we can be. Like uh, we are very lucky because uh, everybody in in the club, especially my team, we we are under contracts. So it's um, how can I explain? It? It's like being a, a professional. So uh, by the government, we are allowed to train like fully everybody. So we are a bit more lucky than others, I would say. Excellent. Um, so you say you've been at Copenhagen for um, a long while, over two years. Mm. Let's rewind even before that. Let's talk about you. Yeah. Where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about your family and your upbringing. No, for sure. I grew up. Um, I grew up in like inside of Copenhagen. It's like uh, it's it's not so. It's not the the most. Uh, how do how do you say? It's not the best place in terms of growing up, but. Uh, I mean, we. I had some friends I grew up with, and we all had a ball in our hands, and we just, how can I say, like started playing for for fun down in the in the what do you call the garden or where we play five a side or something like that, and we just played every single day, and and some of us even started uh, playing in the same club when we when we uh, started football as well. If my father is uh, he's fully Iraqian, and uh, he is. I, I believe he moved from Iraq to Syria, where he met my mother. Um, she's from Syria, so uh, and I believe after he moved to Syria, they both um, like they agreed to move to Europe, and and they came then to Denmark, where where me and my other siblings were born. What was it about uh, Iraq in terms of a football perspective, or it might have been other influences that? For you, was a, a major pull in terms of you wanting to represent the uh, the Iraqi national team. Mm. I mean, my father is a big football fan, and uh, as I said, yeah, he's he's Iraqi, and he he introduced me like when I was younger. He just uh, like we talked about the Iraqi national teams and some of the players that were playing there, and I remember him first introducing me to the player Ali Adnan, and uh, I remember he also played in Europe and, and some other places as well. So he was like uh, that player was like the first introduction to to the Iraqi national team, and then just like. We just discussed like uh, like the the national team itself. We just uh, talked about the coaches, the matches, the Asia Cup they play and stuff like that. So it, it's just light light introdu uh, introductions. You're quite like young. That. Do you happen to remember anything from the 2007 Asian Cup win? 
No, no, I like uh, I haven't. I don't know the details about matches and and, and so on, but but I know that they really really well that that year. Uh, so uh, uh, they won it, right? They won it. That yeah, year, yeah. Two thousand and seven was yeah, the exactly. first Asian yeah, Cup I, I, ever I, won. I, that's the first thing I, I knew about the national team that they won that the the the, the, the Asia Cup. But and I also know that there are a lot of. Uh, Strong national team from Asia as well, so they must have been playing really, really good. So that was my first introduction. It was uh, it was a special, special generation that team, but uh, hopefully yeah. not not the the last time we win it. You know. Um, yeah, for sure. Maybe, maybe next time you're going to be in the team that that wins the Asian Cup for us. <laughs> Let's go back to uh, you growing up. At what age did you realize that you're actually quite good at football and you can make this uh, a career move for for yourself? Oh. I mean, I would say about nine, ten years old. Nine or ten. Ten, I would say. I mean, I started I started when I was five. And, you know, like, five is a really young age. So, uh, like, I remember also the my friends, uh, their parents and stuff, they were telling me, because I can't, I, obviously, I can't uh, remember how, how I was playing when I was uh, so young. But they were telling me that I, that I, that you could see I had a talent, but it wasn't, how can you say discovered yet? You know what I mean. Yeah, so like when a I hidden turned, gem. Yeah, for sure. So when I when I turned ten or uh, nine, ten, eleven, around the, the these three numbers, uh, I, I started to get noticed uh, a, a bit more. And talk us through that. You got noticed by uh, academies or what? What happened? Yeah, like I was I was playing really well, and I remember the team. That team I started playing, uh, like uh, when I started my career, my football career, it, it was called B93, and it's a it's a very big local club, you know. Yeah. And we was just we were just playing other teams. Um, we were just playing other teams at our age, and I remember we were winning every single match, and we were just playing incredible. And I was just scoring and playing really, really well. So, so from there, I just. Like especially my father, like my father in the beginning, he didn't watch so many of my football matches because uh, he obviously didn't knew like um, that it was so serious. But he was just starting to get uh, like his friends was telling him like your son is really really good. Take a look at him and stuff like that. So he just he also got noticed uh, through that, you know. Yes. Yeah, um, from from there, wait, what happens though? At, um, at, at youth team especially. Um, when did you kind of realize that you're going to be able to make such a huge jump to like a club like Copenhagen? Well, uh, around 12, 11, 11, 12, when I was going from 11 to 12 years old, I started to get some some attention from uh, from the three biggest clubs uh, in Denmark. And it was Brøndby, uh, FC Copenhagen and FC Nordsjælland at that time for, for, for development. I mean, Copenhagen, uh, Bromby are a big club, don't get me wrong, but Copenhagen yeah. are a huge team. They've been in Champions League numerous times, they've, they've played no, against my sure. favourite team, Manchester United, a few times. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. for you to be playing at Copenhagen, and Marshall, that means yeah. you're doing something right. Um, yeah, but in the beginning, in the beginning, when I... Um when I like when I moved at, at some time, I had to move from from my um, my local club that I started uh, at uh, at five years old. And when I moved, I was twelve. But when I moved the first time, I didn't move to FC Copenhagen. I moved to uh, FC Nordsjælland. And that's like I had a lot of videos and clips from there. And I think a lot of people also like from Iraq uh, when they noticed it, it was from from that time at that club also. We'll come back to um, we'll come back to Iraq in a second. 
I just want to talk a little bit about your experiences with Copenhagen. How have you found being at such a huge club? How have you coped with the pressure? How have you um, coped with the kind of the attention of fans constantly watching you and waiting for you to to progress? Uh, I mean, in the beginning, it was it was quite tough because I had some some what can I say? I had some injuries that I had to deal with. Uh, so it was tough in the beginning because I didn't play a lot and a lot of people were were asking into my situation because um, they were really, uh, in a good way obviously, they were really curious uh, about uh, how it's going and stuff like that. So it was, it was a bit tough uh, in the beginning because it was hard to say that I was injured because I knew everybody wanted to see me play and stuff like that. But uh, uh, Alhamdulillah, I came back, uh, I feel even stronger. And, and as, I, as I said, we are halfway through our season now. And um, and how have you found the, the season? It has been, uh, I mean, uh, ups and downs. You know, we have been playing against some really, some really good teams, and we have come out with uh, with some really good results. And there's also been times where we have been our worst, uh, own worst en- enemy, uh, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, so it, it has been some ups and downs, but of course, like you learn from them. Fingers crossed things go very smoothly for you. When can Iraqi fans hopefully expect to see you with the, the first team in Copenhagen? Wow, it's tough to say because in football it's also about luck. Uh, uh, like everything can go from one day to another day or it can go up to a month or how long. How long it's tough to say because it also depends on maybe injuries or everything can happen in football, you know? So it's tough to say because if I maybe say three months or something like that and, and something happens in the next week then people will obviously know that I'm not you know telling the truth or you know what I mean so it's tough it's tough to say when a date so it's tough of course man Look, no worries in terms of having pressure it's just as fans we're all very excited to, to no, see sure. how things for go sure. for you and we want to we want to obviously see what's best for you as a, as a footballer and for your career for and sure. uh, hopefully that will lead you to, to representing uh, Iraq um, with Iraq, we've uh, obviously you, you qualified to play for the Iraqi national team. Um, have you been contacted by the Iraqi FA at all? Have you sorted out your paperwork? What's the situation with you? I have out of all the times. Um, I, I know there has been a lot of talk about about invitations and stuff like that, but uh, out of all the times. Uh, these these things have uh, been coming up. There's only been one time where I have uh, actually gotten an actual in- invitation, um, and that invitation I, it was it was too difficult to say yes to because of all the re- restrictions with Corona and with all the trouble um, with all the trouble I would have to go through, uh, especially from traveling from from Denmark and coming back and I would be in quarantine for two weeks and couldn't train with the team, so it it, it was too tough. Well, hopefully it will be the first of many invitations, man. Yeah. What would it mean for you to represent Iraq, to put on that shirt? I mean, obviously, I think for just like for any other player who represents a national team, like it's a, it's it's something special, you know? Um, I know everybody, uh, probably everybody, every footballer you ask will, will probably give you the same same um, answer. It's, it's special, for sure, because you're representing a, a, na- a nation, you know? So... It's a different feeling. Let me just say. Let me just put it at that. It's a different feeling. And what about on social media? Uh, you, mm. you must get loads of uh, messages from Iraqi fans, etc. How does that make yeah. you feel? 
No, like it's it's tough. Uh, it's very hard to to, to describe uh, Iraqi people with with only words. The amount of support they they give to their players, the amount of support they give to me, it's unbelievable. Like yeah, it's like it's tough to say because like um, also like my Danish friends and people from Denmark when they when they see how many how many things they write to, write to me and stuff like that, and everybody tells me oh it's really cool, and I tell them like they're the best best fans in the world. Do you do you read and write Arabic? I I do not read. I do not write. Uh, my father helps me with that, but I do speak. You know. Yeah. Um. Hopefully, once you improve your Arabic, you could actually start to read the messages, and you, yeah. you could appreciate sure, that a little sure. bit more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. So, what are what would you say your goals are right now, going into like this season, the rest of this season, maybe next year? Do you have any kind of aims and objectives you want to achieve anytime soon? It, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, in terms of in terms of uh, on the field, just you know, be, just play my game. Uh, help to help the team as much as possible, especially by scoring and and assisting. So just being on 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 like helpful on that on that part of the uh, end of the of the things. For the for the fans that haven't seen you play, how would you describe mm. your your position style, your your uh, abilities, your skill sets, etc. Mm. I mean, I, I normally usually play either right wing uh, or left wing. I'm a left-footed player, uh, crea- creative, uh, have a lot of speed also, so um, that helps a lot also. So yeah, I would say a fast, a fast, uh, creative winger. There are. I don't know if you're in touch with any of these players that I'm about to name, but there are. There's a kind of generation of young players right now developing in Europe, including yeah. yourself. So we have, for example, Zidane Iqbal right now at Manchester United. Um, he's yeah. under 19. You have um, Ali Al Hamadi at Swansea. We have, for example, um, Cardo Siddiqui at Crystal Palace, um, <coughs> amongst many other players. Are you in touch with these players, or uh, do you feel like together uh, you guys could actually make something special for the future of Iraqi football? Uh, I'm not. I'm not directly in touch uh, with them, but I do know who they are, and I do see their their amazing work. And for me, it makes me proud to to see a lot of Iraqi players play in Europe as well. Because I think in terms in terms of Iraqi players, uh, it's it, they are very underrated. You know what I mean? Like uh, it, it's it, it has not. It's it's not because I want to say that people hasn't had an eye opening for them, but there's a lot of good Iraqi young players with a, especially with a lot of, how do you say, energy and and hunger. So it it makes me really happy to see a lot of uh, young Iraqis doing so good in in Europe as well. Absolutely, Ali. We we wish you all the best. We're very much looking forward to seeing how you develop and progress. And we hope you are going to be one of many Iraqi players based in Europe that we'll see in the future uh, very, very soon, actually. Is there any message you want to send to the fans? No, just uh, just to say thank you for all the support they have been giving me. I have, uh, it has not gone uh, unnoticed. Uh, it has been making me smile a lot. And just be... be like be be excited for the future. I think there's a lot of young Iraqi players, and I I do really believe that there's gonna be a really bright future for Iraq in in in, in some years also. So uh, yeah, just to be excited for the future. Inshallah, Ali. Thank you so much, Inshallah. man. It's absolute pleasure uh, talking to you today. 
We're very Thank excited you, to see how things develop for you. Keep safe and Thank we'll you, hopefully do another interview with you sometime in the future. Maybe by Inshallah. then you'd have represented Iraq, maybe even made your, your debut. Please keep in touch. Inshallah. We're very excited to, to hear from you always. For sure, brother. For sure. Brother. Thank you for having me. Well, we're going to keep an eye on the Iraqi league. We're also going to be keeping a close eye on how the expat players do with uh, over the next month. I'm hoping we're going to see some friendlies arranged in light of the, uh, the cancelled game. Of course, we're going to be recording... Uh, right after that to reflect on uh, any friendlies that we do play and we'll be giving you news on any other things that happen in the world of Iraqi football Hassan, thank you so much for joining us any last message to the fans? Yes, so hopefully we we see further developments it was, a, it was nice to see uh, you know expats finally getting a, a look back into the national team hopefully further uh, improvements uh, within the national team We've had some good uh, results recently in the friendlies and hopefully a good push going forward with the, with the upcoming World Cup qualifiers Inshallah where where can fans find you? Yeah uh, as always on Twitter is my where I'm primarily based uh, at uh, Hassan O underscore 1193 Thank you very much Hassan you can find me guys on uh, at on Twitter at Iraq Football Pod. If you want to find me on Instagram, it's at Iraq Football Pod and my personal page at Hassanen. H-A-S-S-A-N-A-N-E. We do want to hear from you guys. Please get in touch. If there's any particular players you want us to interview, please uh, message us, email us, visit the website, and more importantly, share our page with your with your friends and family. We need your support in terms of growing the page, and the only way we can do that is through you guys. Take care guys, stay safe and yalla ya